and they're like, well, I use heart rate and then I use power and then I use this and I use all these numbers and I have my zones that I adjust and blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I said, do you ever just go for a run and enjoy yourself? This one's radio episode 850 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to let you know that one of the, the easiest, simplest, and really beneficial, maybe not most beneficial, but it's certainly beneficial, certainly helpful things you can do to, to help the show and, and uh, help things continue to, to move in the right direction around these parts is to do all the shopping that you're normally doing on Amazon, on Amazon, but to use one of my uh, links, the kind of referral links, if you will. And basically anytime that I, you know, in the show notes, in the email, anything like that, that I link to a book title or a certain product or things like that that I'm using, it's it's typically going to be an affiliate link, which I usually, I think I mention that most of the time. Uh, but basically what that means, I'm supposed to at least. So I do mention that every time I mention that. Uh, and anything that you get using that link, uh, I get a little commission on. But it's not just like that one individual item. It's once you use that link and then you go around, go around and you're buying, you know, big fancy things, I get a commission on those things too. So, you know, if, if you are willing to just kind of maybe save a specific link to, uh, you know, to your bookmarks and use that every time you shop on Amazon, you can be doing me a solid at the same time. So uh, I'll give you different links here and there. But uh, today's link, if you're so inclined, uh, looking for a, a foam roller, just go to disruns.com slash foam roller. You'll see the foam roller that I use. I love it. I've had it for, gosh, five, six years now. Um, and save for, for Addison actually like picking at it. Uh, it still looks as, as new as the day I got it. Um, and, uh, it's something that, that I don't use as often as I should, but I use it fairly regularly and, uh, I'm glad that I have it. Uh, but you go to that link, you can see the foam roller. You can also then do all your other, all your regular shopping, buy your dog food, get your flat screen TV, get your clothes, get your, get your this, that, and the other, and, uh, everything that you get kind of, you know, sends a couple of shekels my way. So bookmark that link, disruns.com slash foam roller, or any of the books we've talked about in the past, or, you know, anything that's coming up in the future, bookmark it. Use it, support the show at the same time. So with that, let's go ahead now and uh, dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is a fellow running coach and uh, y'all know that I always enjoy talking shop with my uh, coaching peers. So needless to say, there will be a little bit of coach speak today uh, for sure. But obviously today's guest is much more than just a running coach. Uh, so I'm also looking forward to learning a bit more about the runner behind the coach, how he got to where he is today. And uh, if that sounds a little bit cryptic, don't worry, it, it, it makes sense. Uh, and, and it'll be revealed to you as we go the whole where he is today type of situation. So uh, without any further ado, it's definitely a pleasure to be today to be able to welcome uh, Mr. Frank Campo to the show. So thanks for joining us, Frank. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate being here. Yeah, definitely. And, and guys, if you want to find out more about Frank, his coaching uh, options and, and anything else that uh, we, you know, uh, from his side of, of uh, what he's got going on, uh, pranaendurancetraining.com is the website. That's P-R-A-N-A, endurancetraining.com. Uh, on Instagram, it's uh, just kind of the first half of that. So Prana Endurance, at, at Prana Endurance on Instagram is a great place to uh, connect with Frank on social media. And uh, as per usual, if you want the links for everything we talk about today, uh, 
those will be in, available in the show notes, disruns.com slash 850, disruns.com slash 850, take you back to the uh, show notes for today's episode. So uh, Frank, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a very uh, simple question, uh, at least as far as it goes to, to ask it. It's an easy one for me to ask. Sometimes it's an easy one to answer. Sometimes it's a little bit uh, complicated uh, because there's so many great choices out there, but it just gives us a great place to start the conversation. And that is uh, just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Ooh, I love it. Uh, my favorite distance to race is the half marathon. I, I go between the half and the 10K. And the reason why is because I feel that it's long enough to uh, require that long training that I really like. Mm. I'm putting in those long miles. And it's short enough that um, it fits that gap in between that 10K training, you know, where you really are able to kind of push yourself past, you know, right at that limit. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy the half marathon quite a bit. I feel like I can go out there and race the first half, um, I don't know, about 90%. And then mm-hmm. the second half, I could just kind of just let it rip and not and still hold on and not be scared to you know whereas in a marathon you're like oh i don't know (laughs) mile 20 you know there's only a couple more miles to go but the wheels can really fall off those last six you know so yeah so i i I don't don't know that's it's a great distance i i I enjoy it a lot yeah i i uh totally agree and it's it's uh I, i i I feel the same way. And I get, the, I get the question from, from folks that, uh, you know, they have me on their podcast or just, you know, in, in random places they, they always, you know, since I ask this question all the time, they, they'll ask me and I kind of feel like my favorite distance, like I enjoy the marathon and trying to figure it out, but I'm the same way with you. Like, I feel like I can race the half marathon a lot better, uh, like a lot more confidence that I can push it and not, uh, have things just really go sideways at some point. Whereas the, the marathon man, like at 26 miles, like that's, that's just, it's it's a long way and a lot of time for something to go a little bit off and once it does it's it's uh it's all over. <laughs> yeah, I, you know it, the scary distance for me, which is a, an interesting thing, as I'm thinking about it, is probably like a 5k. Mm. That that to me is just I mean you're just flying and I feel you can really blow yourself apart very fast because <laughs> you you can kind of go out of control and you know. Um, yeah. So, and then the training for the five K is intense too. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the five K is kind of a scary distance, and uh, and the half marathons, uh, I think, one of my favorites. Yeah. No, I, I agree, and I agree with the five K being scary too. It's it's funny as as you were saying that. I was thinking to myself, like you, it, it, the, the the different uh, types of folks that I talk to on the show. Uh, it's it's funny to hear the different things that they use to describe things. So like the ultra marathoners are like, you know, they'll use, they'll, they'll describe the marathon as like only 26 miles. Um, you know, the, the half marathoners are the ones that, that prefer the half marathon are like, man, you know, the marathon is, is good, but boy, it's, it's, it's scary going that far sometimes. Um, and then the ones that are kind of half marathon, full marathon, it's like, oh, but man, the 5k, like that's just so hard. And it's so, uh, you know, just, just hammer it from, from the, the word go all the way to the finish. And, and like you said, it's easy to push too hard, too quickly, really blow up. Um, which you could say, you could make that argument about any distance, but, uh, is, is just something about, and it really wouldn't be an argument. It'd be just a factual statement that you could push too hard at the beginning of any race and, and cause yourself problems. But boy, that, that 5k where you're just going hard from the get go, 
um, it's, 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 I feel like it's a much finer line of what's too hard, uh, and causing you problems versus what's not hard enough and leaves yourself with gas in the tank at the finish line going, man, I could have, I could have done, done more like that sweet spot for the 5k. It's, it's a small window of getting your pacing perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, and I think, um, it's all about control too. And this mm-hmm. is kind of something I teach a lot of my athletes. Um, what I find, and this is probably very common that you're going to hear this quite a bit is that a lot of athletes, um, tend to just run way too fast or run out of control. And what I mean by that is that, um, we have tended to become very fixated on gadgets. I feel like, um, I get, you know, some athletes that have come to me and they're like, oh, I ask them, I'm like, so what do you train? What kind of tool do you use? What do you do? And they're like, well, I use heart rate and then I use power and then I use this and I use all these numbers and I have my zones that I adjust and blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. I said, do you ever just go for a run and enjoy yourself? <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, I have to have my stuff and on Strava and my competitors and blah, blah, blah. You know, and I, one of the things that I tend to do is I say, hey, let's just kind of put all that away you know, grab your watch, throw it in your pocket. I don't care. Uh, let's just kind of track mm-hmm. and that's fine. But, um, what I want you to do is go run on feel, just go run. And I'm going to tell you, go run easy, go run, you know, uh, moderate, go run hard, go run fast, whatever, whatever that means, just do that. Um, and after a while of that, then people really start to understand that control. What does it mean today? I feel like, you know, easy is really, really slow and that's okay because yesterday I had a hard time, a hard day, or I had the kids or whatever. I didn't sleep well, or some days moderate might be, you know, a lot faster. So that, that's one of the things that I concentrate with newer athletes that I get is the first phase is to kind of shed them away from what they're used to and rebuild them so they can become a more controlled individual. Um, what I find is that in those races like a 5K and a 10K, or when they're in a marathon, you know, at mile, I don't know, 18 or whatever, they have that voice inside that says, hmm, this pace is controllable for the next six miles, or this pace is going to destroy me. So you have that governor that's built inside of all of us, and we can now govern the governor. And we can say, yeah, you know, uh, my head and my body might feel like I'm going to blow myself apart, but I know from the way that I have started training and the control that I have, how far I could push myself within however much time or cases. So, so yeah, that control um, is essential before um, you start putting in the training for speed and trying to figure out uh, what zones and what mm-hmm. power to use and blah, 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 all these other things. I, I, uh, I'm just sitting here nodding my head going, yes, yes, yes. Preach, Frank, preach. Um, and, and I want to dive into a lot of that uh, as we go, but I, let's put a pin in it for now and let's find out kind of how you got to where you are today as as far as, um, again, like I had a tease at the beginning with, with maybe location, but also with, with learning these things because I feel like um, certainly for myself, a lot of, of folks I, I talk to, whether running coaches or runners, runners themselves, you know, some of these lessons kind of come the, the hard way and we kind of, we learn these mistakes through, uh, through experience and, and, uh, then try to, to pass on the information to, to those that, uh, are, are newer to the sport, still trying to figure things out. Maybe folks that we work with, if we are coaches and, and, uh, so we'll, we'll get some of that, that information as we go, but first kind of, how'd you get to this point as far as, as your running life, you know, is, is running something that's, that you've been doing for pretty much your whole life? Is it something that you picked up, you know, high school, college, post-college, like, like, where'd you get started into the sport? 
Yeah. So um, I started getting into the sport. So I'm I'm just a regular person, regular runner. Okay. So that's the first thing. I'm. Um, some people come to me. They're like, Oh, so did you go to the Olympics? Or did you what? And I'm like, No, no, no. I'm just a regular Joe. Um, I um, started really. I think my first marathon was in 2006 or 2007. Okay. Um, and I had, you know, I spent. Uh, how many years? Uh, eight years in the military. Um, and even in the military, I was never a runner. I was never kind of in that kind of shape or anything like that. Um, when one day, uh, we lived in Denver, I kind of met a local running group and I started running with them. I just kind of wanted to start running. So I started running, started training for my first marathon and I was like, wow, this is great. I had a good time. Um, i felt like the training was great. It was more about just the, the, the folks that were in the group, the friends, just building that, you know, our, our um, breakfast afterwards and that whole thing. And that was great. I, the, I, I love that. I didn't really care about racing or anything like that. But as time went on and naturally I started just building speed, um, I started looking for a coach or a person that would teach me how to be more efficient and how to get past, uh, I think my first marathon was like four hours or three, something right out, right out that four hour range. And, um, I was like, you know what? Um, I think I want to get maybe in the three ten or, you know, sub, Mm -hmm. uh, that's where I want to get to. So I started looking for coaches. Um, as I started looking for coaches, I went through a bunch of different coaches and I'm a very analytical person. My background is engineering. So I was looking for someone to tell me why I was doing things and why they needed me to go run, you know, 22 miles and what the purpose of this was. And it was hard for me to find that person. So um, finally, I was like, you know what? Oh, it was hard for me to find that person at a price point mm-hmm. that I felt it was I was comfortable with. You know, I, I, there was a lot of people that, um, living in Colorado, there's a lot of athletes of very, very high level and there's great coaches, but I couldn't afford them, right. to be honest. So, um, I was like, you know what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn about this and I'm going to just coach myself. I'm going to figure it out. How hard could it be? So I dug into everything and try to do it. And I started coaching myself. I started coaching some of my friends. And at that time I was coaching folks for Ironman racing because I was doing Ironman stuff. And it just kind of grew from there. And um, what I started offering people was a personalized approach to their training. People would come to me and be like, oh, yeah, I'm training. I'm using this thing I found online for free that it tells me how to, <laughs> what to do every day. And I was like, well, um, that's, that's, that's nice, but that's just a template, a generic template. Like right. you're not a generic person. You know, your age, your um, injuries, all these things have to go into this equation and then you have to kind of spit something out that is tailored towards you. So that's what I started doing. I started figuring out what every person's individual needs were and building a program that was tailored to them. Now, the program was not uh, 14 weeks, 18 weeks, 22 weeks, or mm-hmm. whatever. It was not like that. It was just in blocks of three weeks max. Uh, because I needed those data points in order to figure out the next three weeks, you know, because people 
things things change you know it's warm outside or it's cold outside or all the, they have to travel whatever they have kids uh, vacation whatever the case is so i need to be able to make those plans malleable and i have to be able to adjust them so that's where everything came from um from trying to figure out that what i needed and seeing that there was a need for mm-hmm. personalized tailored coaching and that's kind of what i have it's a very boutique uh type of of training program gotcha so you you, you know clearly um from, from what or at least in my opinion clearly maybe it's maybe maybe i'm i'm uh, putting my, my cart in front of my horse here, but, um, you get started with running your, your first marathon, you know, whatever the exact number was somewhere right around four hours. Like for a lot of folks, like that's, that's something that maybe we've been working for to get, you know, for a while, uh, you set your sights pretty high then to try to get down into the, the low threes, maybe, maybe sub three. Um, how did, how did it progress in those, those early, or how did your, your running, your, your performance, uh, kind of progress in those early years of maybe bouncing around to some different coaches, trying to find the right mix for you, trying to learn some things so you could maybe even kind of coach yourself a little bit. Like how, how was your running in those, those, you know, uh, first, I don't know, five, eight years of, of being in the sport. You know, um, I, it's a great question because I think I spent maybe three years just not knowing just building base mm. and building in, in fitness. So I spent a long time hovering in that, I don't know, three fifty four hour range for a, a while. Um, once I set my goals and I was like, Oh, you know, I want to get a little quicker. And I, I did find this amazing coach. Um, she, um, is an ex Olympian, good friend of ours lived in Boulder, Colorado, and she knew running. And at that time, I knew triathlon. So we kind of got together and she's like, teach me the triathlon. I'll teach you running and I'll teach you how to coach. I'm like, sweet. Mm -hmm. So it was a great matchup. As soon as I started working with her, um, and this is why I think that it's so great to work with a person that really um, is tailoring things to you because she was tailoring things to me. You should have saw the jump from, let's say, four hours to in a race knocking off 30 minutes mm. like nothing and then the next right just knocking off 20 minutes like it was nothing and then it was you know then it became like 15 and <laughs> right in <and> 10 minutes <laughs> you know diminishing returns but it was okay but um and then i kind of found my 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 place i found my stride i found my my pace that i could just go out there and comfortably run a marathon and i don't know 320 or whatever the case was mm-hmm. it just became natural for me uh, but it, it also had a lot of work in the back end, you know, so, uh, a lot of my speed work, a lot of my things were, um, shit were just done for that. And there was no, um, pushing too hard or anything. There, there was a cohesive plan. Like she was like, Hey, in three years, we will get you to this point, but you can't rush the process. Right. That that's, uh, thing that 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 rush in the process i'd love to, to dive into that a little bit more both from you know maybe maybe this is where we start to blur the lines a little bit uh between you know your running as you know yourself as a runner and also yourself as a coach but uh how, how difficult is that patience piece because it's it's something that uh, i know a lot of people struggle with and, and shoot you know if we could broaden out like you know just you know instant instant you know by now one click have it delivered in, in one day and you know if it takes two days like oh my gosh how am i going to wait this long to get something um you know needless to say 
I guess across the board, patience isn't usually our, our strongest strongest point. So, you know, w- was that a struggle for you with being patient and putting in the work and maybe not seeing as many returns immediately, but then all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, meaning, you know, six months, eight months, 18 months, who knows, uh, before you really see that 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 jump forward in, in progress. Was was the patience piece difficult for you and or how difficult is it to, to coach patients sometimes in the athletes you work with? Yeah, so for me, it wasn't difficult because I had a good mentor, a good coach that um, set those expectations Mm -hmm. from the start. I know she said, hey, I will not coach you if you want to rush through this. Like, I can't build you up in a safe manner if you just want to go from four hours to sub three. Like, that's, uh, you're talking to the wrong person. And and I think that's such an amazing thing. attitude to have. And that's an attitude I carry nowadays. Now you're absolutely right. Um, we have become, I think a, uh, our mindset has become instant gratification. So, uh, people come to me and they say, Hey, you know, I want to run, I want to qualify for the Boston marathon. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. Um, and they're like, I want to qualify for a Boston marathon in a race that I signed up for that is eight weeks away. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) Okay. You know, and I need to knock off 30 minutes off of my time in those, in these eight weeks. It's not like I'm looking at 30 seconds here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. And (laughs) so I'm like, whoa, let's take a step back. Let's understand what we are working with, what it's going to take to get you there and in a safe manner, how old you are, you know, all these, all these factors. Let's, let's kind of dive into it. And I think a big part of it is an educational part. Um, and again, you know, in my here, my, in my old, old world, um, I used to be an owner's rep. I used to uh, basically do program management. So uh, in construction. So for example, um, one of my clients was Starbucks. Uh, they needed a building built. They would come to me and say, hey, I want a building that fits you know, 10 people, it has a barista and has a drive Cool. Well, they go on their merry way and they do what they do best, which is coffee, right? Mm-hmm. I do what I do best. I know construction. I know how to speak to people. So I blend those things together. Same thing with um, an athlete coaching um, relationship. My job is to make sure to educate my athlete who might be a CPA, might be a nurse, might be whatever kind of mm-hmm. worker, it doesn't matter, um, and dive down to what it means to get them to that point, that goal that they want in a safe manner. So, and I, and I always say safely because the last thing I want to do is injure anyone. Right. You know, I want them to enjoy their experience. I want them to do it safely. And I want them to reach the goal that they can reach. Not maybe what they want to reach because – I want to go run a sub three hour marathon right now, mm-hmm. but that's not realistic. So I need to set those realistic expectations. I need to set that timeline and I need to be honest with them how long it's going to take them to get there, you know, yeah. um, and what can be achieved. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And it's uh, certainly, you know, as, as we kind of have, have alluded to a couple times here, it's, it's a bit of a process and it's something that, that having those communicate, you know, being able to communicate the expectations clearly both ways, uh, is obviously plays a, a pretty big, uh, part in, and hopefully, uh, you know, that, that, that success and the progress that the athlete makes. So speaking of, of progress and, and, and moving forward, um, 
you know, you, you start off and you mentioned a couple times kind of a background in, in engineering and, and kind of, you know, great metaphor of, of building the Starbucks. Um, but, but these days, I mean, coaching is, is pretty much your full-time gig. So how did you transition out of, you know, coaching kind of on the side, helping some athletes here and there to, to making it, you know, making it what you do for a living these days? Yeah. So, um, let's see how many years ago now, about five years ago or so. So I've had my coaching business for maybe eight years or so, something like that. Um, we used to live in Denver and then my wife had an opportunity to move to San Francisco. So we moved to San Francisco and my job moved with me and, um, we lived in San Francisco for, for a little while and, at that point, I started, San Francisco did something really amazing to us, which was allowed us to see that uh, becoming an entrepreneur was not the craziest thing in the world. You know, that we could um, just go out on our own and, and figure it out. And if we fell on our face, then we could get right back up and redo it again. Um, it just has that spirit. So um, to answer your question, what we did was after a couple of years there, we decided to quit our corporate jobs. Um, and we decided to move to Mexico. So that's where we live now. So we said, you know, let's kind of, uh, get rid of everything we have, all our stuff in the States and all this kind of stuff. And let's just go and explore what Mexico's like. So we moved to Mexico we bought a place down here. And, um, at that point, you know, you have to really kind of reinvent yourself a little bit. You know, we're too young to retire, quote unquote. However, we're not too young to follow our passions and to reinvent ourselves. And we decided to do that. So we decided to kind of put our, our professional careers kind of on the side per se and follow what we wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to coach and I wanted to coach folks in a personal aspect. So I meant that I only could really coach max 30 people mm -hmm. and that was okay with me for me the goal was not to become rich at this but it was to provide that quality coaching um and yeah so when you kind of change some of the dynamics of you know cost of living in san francisco for example right. and all these other things and you live in mexico in a very kind of more chill out kind of place and things like that things work out pretty well so it has allowed us to really um, focus on the passions that we like, that, that you know, we do. So, yeah, so now coaching is my full-time gig. However, I also do consulting when it comes to individuals building uh, projects here in Mexico. And, you know, from that, things stem and we own a property management company now. It's just, it's all these things, you know, what, if, if, if there's a will, there's a way to do it. <laughs> right. Well, and, and like you said, once, once your eyes get open to the entrepreneurial, uh, I don't want to say, maybe, maybe I do want to say the spirit or, or, you know, just the possibilities that are out there. And like, you realize that, that, Hey, you know, I can do this thing and it can be an online thing. And then I can have, you know, a consulting company or it can create, lead to this. And, and, you know, almost, you know, in, in, in one of those, those metaphors of running as well, where, you know, one thing leads to the other, you, you may not do all of it at once, but you, you move in this direction and that, that teaches you something and you can apply that here and, and it helps you build. And now all of a sudden you're more capable and more willing and, 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 uh, you know, one thing leads to the other and, and, uh, you're in Mexico and you've got, uh, got different sticks and different fires and, it, and it's working for you. And that's, that's what it's all about. 
Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. Well, we love it. We love it. I mean, it's it's a lot of work, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I rather work for myself in the capacity that we are now and be so kind of free with our time than mm-hmm. you know sitting in an office and just grinding away, which I've done it and. You know, there was a time for that, and I'm very thankful for it because it's built a good base right. for business and everything else. But, um, but yeah, it's great. I mean, we're, we're really enjoying it. One thing you have to do, and it forces you to, is to be extremely honest, you know, uh, to yourself, honest with your athletes, because, you know, every athlete that you have is income that you really need you can't just take mm-hmm. it for granted so right. um you really have to hold on to those relationships and you build amazing amazing friendships uh in this business and yeah it's so it's, it's great it's great yeah i can i can definitely vouch for the, the relationships it's it's uh one of the things that i don't i didn't realize i was getting into when i got into to coaching but certainly uh value you know getting no not just the the athlete but like their family and you know the just the the whole ball that comes in with the the relationships is certainly uh certainly pretty cool um what's running like in mexico for you i mean you know i think that that for the most part most of the, the folks listening are, are are in the u.s so of course we have some folks from various other places around the globe but um you know what kind of a i'm assuming it was a, a culture shock but maybe I'm, I'm making bold assumptions here but between being in denver being in san francisco then moving to mexico what what was the the, the transition or the adjustment period of of just the actual act of running like for you yeah. So okay. So I was I was born in Colombia. So and then um, we migrated to the U.S. when I was like eight years old. So okay. um, so my native language and my first language is is Spanish. However, I think realistically it's English. You know, um, because I lost a lot of my Spanish. But um, that the adjustment for moving to Mexico in that aspect was relatively simple. I had to relearn my Spanish a little bit, but we're good. And my wife. She had to learn Spanish from the beginning. So, but she is fluent now. Um, as far as running goes, when we initially moved to Mexico, we moved to um, an area called Quintana Roo, uh, which is very close to Cancun. Okay. So it's on that beautiful part of Mexico, very hot, mm-hmm. very humid. Um, it's a jungle. <laughs> so to get my running in, it was extremely hard. I went from being in San Francisco with the weather is perfect, where I had all my great friends and I mean, I had mountains and hills and everything was just amazing. And it just was like, I felt like San Francisco was kind of put there to make an amazing runner out of me. Um, When I moved to Mexico, everything just kind of stopped. So I had to reevaluate. Again, it was so hot. So I had to wake up sometimes at 3.30 in the morning, Mm -hmm. 4 o'clock in the morning to go start my runs because... By 6.37, the humidity was just crazy, and then the sun would come out, and it would melt you away. <laughs> so to get really long runs, I would, my wife would come out and ride, drive the car, and then I would just go out into the jungle and basically run, and hopefully nothing would come out. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it's, it's, not, and it's also not a culture of having, you know, uh, uh, people running on the street so I would have like all these lights on me and like it was just oh I had to put water bottles out mm-hmm. uh, because people would run you over right so um, so that was kind of an adjustment and with that adjustment came hey you know what I no longer I'm gonna go shoot for a sub three hour marathon what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna go and enjoy my running whatever that is let it just be and I don't care about goals anymore I just want to go out there and run and 
I also started building a running community. So I started posting on Facebook uh, for people to come run with me and things like that. And I would kind of, you know, meet people and built a really, really nice group there in Quinta, in that area. Um, about a year or so ago, we decided to move from there to the other side of Mexico. So now we're in Baja, California, where it is a lot different. Mm -hmm. Here, it is um, kind of like a desert, you know, uh, so it's dry, it's still hot, but you get that cold, uh, those cold mornings. So it reminds me a lot of San Francisco. Uh, and here, there is a lot of trails and there's just um, a lot better running. Uh, from my perspective. So in the morning, like this morning, I went out for a run and I went out and I was out in the desert, like just single track desert and cactuses everywhere. And I was out there running. Um, my speed, you know, we don't have a track. We don't have anyone to push us or anything like that. So that changes, which is okay. Right. Um, so, but yeah, it's safe. Like the only thing is dogs that maybe come after you here and there, but you know, it's just like anywhere else. And, um, it's, it's fun and you have to kind of just kind of go with the flow wherever it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm glad you touched on the safety piece, not that I was going to dive into it, but I feel like, you know, that's, that's always like the first thing is like, like what would be the safety like? And, and like, you know, I mean, I, I know stories, I know people locally, I know people certainly, uh, you know, all throughout the, the U S where, you know, random dogs chasing you down. Like that's, that's something that happens here too. So, um, you know, it's, it's once I'm, I'm assuming at least once you kind of get there, you kind of figure out the, the lay of the land and what's, what's going on, uh, both literally and metaphorically, like, you know, running is running pretty much wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for, for, <laughs> for dogs, I have a couple of tricks. I already know where they are. And, um, you know, I, I do started, I started carrying, kind of like one of those pepper spray things. I started carrying that. Uh, I don't carry water with me, which I know some people, when they carry water, they could spray a dog down with. But then I know this area where there's a couple, like, you know, five dogs in a pack. So before I get there, I already have like a little stick set aside and I carry my little stick. And then once I pass them, I put the stick down, you know, and then when I go by that area, I carry the stick again. And <laughs> um, I think that the dogs are used to people like, you know, if they come at you, of course, you know, cause I've heard a lot of people get bit by multiple dogs and kind of be in bad shape. So worst case scenario, that's the thing. But, but yeah, I carry pepper spray. Thankfully I haven't had to use it. Um, and, um, yeah, that's the only thing as far as safety goes, to be honest with you. I mean, um, I've had, um, police, actually escort me <laughs> at like when I used to go run later later at night they used to like just like follow me and I stopped and I was like hey guys uh, is everything okay they're like yeah I just want to make sure that you're safe and if you need anything we're going to just like you know um, um, drive our car behind you and I'm like okay thank you I appreciate it <laughs> uh, yeah so it's you know Mexico gets kind of a, a bad name but um, but I think that it's you know knowing where the routes are I typically mm -hmm. I get on my bike and I go like mountain bike and go scope out the areas and then I will go run. Uh, but yeah, um, it's, it's awesome. Uh, we, I love it. I love yeah. it. It's really good. Well, and, and, and yeah, uh, you know, again, uh, the, the, there's so many different options as far as running, as far as places to live, things like that, you, you find out what works for you. And, and as long as you're enjoying it and, you know, I mean, obviously keep on, keep on keeping on. Um, so do you want to get into a little bit of, of, 
more specific coaching talk, like I like I kind of hinted at the beginning and, and uh, uh, kind of put a pin on some things at the the beginning of our of our conversation here. But um, you know, I, obviously, I love to talk shop because gives me a chance to learn some things, hopefully, um, and obviously share some of those lessons with with the folks listening. So uh, one thing that, that you mentioned uh, there kind of in the beginning, talking about the, the 5K and, and pace control a little bit, um, and I'd love to dive dive into a bit more, is the idea of, of leaving the, the watch at home, or like you said, stick it in your pocket, or, or as, I've, as I've mentioned to folks before, like turn it on, put a little piece of tape over the, the front so you can't see the numbers, basically. So you just get to go out and run and, and look at the data afterwards. Um, when you when you suggest that to some folks, especially maybe if I'm if I'm reading between the lines from what you said uh, in, in, originally, kind of some of the folks that you're still newer working with, so maybe there isn't as much of a relationship there. Kind of a, a you know getting a new athlete to to buy into things a little bit. Um, how much pushback do you get when you're when you're telling somebody, hey, just you know just go run, don't uh, don't worry about the numbers and just and just go run? How I know for me, a lot of times like it's like whoa, wait a second, how do I do that? But but how do you handle those conversations? You know, so I like to, when I first, um, I'm onboarding a client, like I'm just doing that with a gentleman right now and he came to me and he's like, Hey, I have a power meter and I have all these gadgets and I'm like, all right, that's, that's great. Uh, he was like, so we want to use them all and we want to do this and this and that. And I'm like, okay. So I hear him out. Mm -hmm. And then what I do is I explain to them, Hey, what my suggestion would be that would probably give us the best, um, goal at getting where we need to be is let's break this whole thing down into phases, you know, and I need you to trust me so I could do my part in getting you ready to run that race at X pace or whatever. So I am very transparent with a person. I communicate with them exactly what we're going to do and what's the purpose of each phase. So for example, the, let's break the year down into four phases or one of the cases, however you want to do it. The first phase, we're going to just shed away all misconceptions, all the stuff that you have. Sometimes I'll tell you, you know what? Go rest. I need you to, I need you to do nothing for a week or two, whatever, because you have so much training load on you that I need you to just like let's start from scratch. Right. So um, I explained to them, hey, let's do this first and let's go just run to enjoy it. Forget about everything else. We have enough time. I will let you know. I will be the first to ring the bell when we are getting low on time and we don't have enough time to do this, whatever the case is like, uh, there's a master plan. So I kind of run through with them what that is. The first phase is to just get you to run on feel and get you uh, to build that control. The next phase, we're going to start introducing um, some speed work, just crazy amounts of speed work and maybe low volume. And then the next phase, we're going to just kind of blend some of those things together you know, and then start adding uh, some endurance, some uh, of those long miles and seeing how, um, what happens when we are doing long miles and then adding speed to it. Mm -hmm. But not only just adding speed, but I'm going to tell you to start running fast after 15 miles of running slow, mm -hmm. you know, whatever that is. And then if you have been able to control yourself, you're going to be able to get to that pace or whatever the case is. And then at the end of that, of those phases, whatever that is, then we'll, that's when we put everything together. What that means at that point, more than likely is I need you to rest and I need you to get race ready. So I let's concentrate at this last phase on resting and then running everything um, 
at the pace I need to run and get mentally focused and, and dig down to that nutritional aspect of things and, you know, just kind of get everything focused on that A race that we have. In between all that, so we don't get bored, because I know I, I get bored, I also like to add different races as as um, maybe milestones mm-hmm. as we progress through our training. It keeps people engaged, maybe adding some 5Ks or 10Ks or whatever the case is, half marathons, whatever it is, um, as we're moving along. Um, it helps us kind of uh, re-baseline where, where we are. It also helps us maybe determine different zones. Instead of going out to the track and just running circles, let's go run a 5K and let's just blow it up mm-hmm. and see what happens. And there's a lot of lessons to be learned when, you know, you blow yourself apart and you're like, okay, well, let's sit down and write some notes and understand, you know, let's put a little diary together. What happened there? What could I have done better? What did I need? What was I going through mentally? Whatever the case is. So, so yeah, so I kind of talk to people holistically on, on the entire process and, um, I don't get that much, uh, pushback to be honest with you, especially when people start seeing those results and Mm -hmm. people, you know, the next phase of training, they're like, well, you know what? This, I, I didn't even feel like I was running that fast. And look right. at me, I'm, I'm great. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I remember uh, talking to uh, a, an, an old timer, you know, one of those guys that is, has probably run 500 marathons and, and like, not, not even, uh, you know, using that number hyperbole, hyperbolic. Like, I think he's gone well more than 500 official races in his career. Um, you know, guys, mid 80s, something like that, still, still doing it. And uh, I remember one of the things that he said, and it sounds like you're kind of almost echoing this as well, where sometimes we get so reliant on the watch that we that that we kind of make that our governor, you know, to, to borrow a word that you said earlier as well, where it's like, oh, you know, if, if I go faster than whatever, nine minute pace, like I'm going to blow up. But when we take the watch away, we realize that maybe we can run 830 pace or 845 pace or eight flat pace and and do that just fine without, you know, throughout the entire entire duration of, of the race or the workout. Um, and, and it kind of opens our mind to the fact that, Hey, you know, while sometimes we think the watch helps us, sometimes it can really hold us back. If we get too focused on the data and stop listening to, uh, what our bodies are actually telling us that they're capable of doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think one of the amazing tools that we have now, which not a lot of people maybe are using, I mean, I think it's become more and more popular now. Um, but the data behind it is so intense and it takes a coach that really understands how to use it is running on power. So running on wattage. Um, and I prefer to train athletes on wattage, uh, than pace, than heart rate. I use all those other tools as just markers and I'm kind of being able to see what's happening. But wattage, what I have found is that um, it's a, a, a more of a true number um, of what you're actually doing than pace that, you know, maybe elevation or humidity or whatever has other impacts that come into it. But um, power seems to be really good right now. And it, from my, I have a cycling background and kind of Ironman stuff. We use it, you know, a lot there. Uh, and you have to kind of control yourself because you're going to go run a marathon after, you know, an entire day of, of right. endurance. So, but yeah, yeah, it's, um, okay. 
let's let's dive into that power a little bit more if you don't mind because I, I i actually i mean that was one of the the handful of things i only usually write down a couple of little notes but that was something i noticed from your website uh blog post that may have been a while ago but whatever it's still a, a post about about power um and, and something that that i've heard about i've heard of some of the different gadgets that, that measure it um to me it's always kind of sounded like like it would be it's great information but like again I think a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this too, too much reliance on the data, uh, sometimes get lost in, in the numbers and not know exactly what we're looking for. So when it comes to to measuring power, measuring wattage for, for us as runners, why, why do you think it's so so valuable? Why has it worked for you? Why is it something that you really like to, to work with with your, with your clients? What does it provide that some of the other metrics don't, for lack of a better way of asking that question? Yeah, so... Um, with power, um, what I've noticed is, and I, and I was a guinea pig with power for, for a while now on myself. And what I noticed is that, um, the numbers are more true to, to, to what you're putting out there. Um, I could also, the problem with power is that, um, there's so much data behind it that you need someone that really understands what they're looking at to give you those zones um, and monitor them and say, hey, you know what? If you keep your wattage at I don't know, 200 watts for this entire race, you will come out at I don't know, 350 marathon, whatever the, case, the number is. Um, you could get down to that number. I mean, it's, it's that simple. The problem becomes control. So for example, um, with power, I, I ran uh, a marathon in, uh, I think in Mexico city or something one day. And I used just power and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to look at anything else. I'm just going to look at my, uh, my numbers and I have to keep, uh, I don't know. I think my threshold was 220 or something and it changes all the time. Mm -hmm. So I had to keep like 180 or something the entire race in order to get to a certain number. Um, sometimes during that race, I felt like I was walking mm -hmm. and it was okay because it was uphill and I did, right. I didn't need to exert that energy. I also knew that how many calories translate to how much power output I'm putting in. So I knew exactly how many calories I had to put in in order to maintain those power numbers. So there was times where I'm flying down here and I'm looking at my watch and I'm like, whoa, my power is going crazy. I need to slow myself down. Because as we all know, in a marathon, it's not about that one mile, that was five mm -hmm. miles, whatever that happened. It's about the longevity of it. So how can you quote unquote govern yourself in the long Jeopardy of the entire race to get to that point where you need to get to. And it, depending on the elevation of the race, I mean, some races like Boston and all these other races have elevations and people could pinpoint say, hey, from here to here, you need to be at this pace. And from here right. to here, you need to be at this pace. But let's be honest, like when you're a mile, I don't know, 17 and you're running pretty hard. Um, you have to bring out a notebook and say, okay, well, I'm at 17. <laughs> I have to keep X amount. It's, it's, it becomes, it's not realistic, but when you look at your power numbers and you just kind of flip your wrist over and you say, Hey, I'm at 178 and I need to be at a 180. I need to just slow or increase my speed. And that's it. That's all you have to worry about. Um, so it does take a while to get people used to it, mm -hmm. but once you are used to it and accustomed to it and you're able to kind of change, um, 
adjust your power and your and and your um, zones, then there's no turning back to it. I feel like, gotcha. you know, it's nice to have all those other measures, but it doesn't. Um, if you're tired, your your water is going to show it. You know, um, if you haven't rested, it's going to show it. If you're overtrained, it's going to show it. You can't. You just can't push out that power. What what. And, and I'll, I'll preface this, I guess, by, by saying that I'm, I'm, I've heard enough to know a little bit, but I've not really looked into it. I, I'm pretty ignorant on the, the finer points of it. So I'm, I'm legitimately curious to, to ask a couple of these questions before we wrap up for today. But what, what exactly is being measured? When, when, when you're measuring power, when you, when you get the, uh, I, I know that the, the stride is, is one of the, maybe the, the bigger, or at least one of the more popular, um, devices that, that measures that measures the power output you, you attach it to your shoe if i'm not mistaken if i am certainly correct me if i'm wrong you attach it to your shoe and it, it measures all the numbers while you're running and then you upload the data and you look at it um but or or it even syncs to your watch so you can get that instant feedback right there but but what actually are we measuring like when, when i think of it i think of it's it's measuring like the the ground contact the force things like that is that what we're measuring or, or what what are we looking at when we're talking about power oh man yeah, you you could dedicate an entire podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah give, give me the give me every every detail in the in the next two minutes before we wrap up, Frank. Go, go. you know, no pressure. <laughs> so, so you have so many different things that are being measured. Um, you're measuring not only pace, you're measuring cadence, but you're also measuring ground contact time. You know, vertical oscillation, um, uh, legs leg spring stiffness. There's all these factors that basically. Um, as you are training, you're able to see when is that point that your legs become lazy? You know, when is that point that you no longer are able to take that step that's high enough, not too high because that, then you become inefficient mm-hmm. and you're wasting power. But when is that point that you are able to elevate your, your foot from the ground, off the ground, how many millimeters? in how much distance do you cover and still be efficient for the entire race? As soon as you are not able to elevate your, your foot that high, then to me that shows me that you're getting tired. Something's happening. Something's breaking down. So to answer your question, we're covering, we're measuring acceleration, impact forces that are being applied during that entire process for every single step. So it's a lot of data, as you can imagine, you know, and you grab all these metrics and you say, okay, well, how can I make this person a well-rounded person for the entire race? You know, even when they're going uphill, what does that mean? You know, when you're going uphill, you're exerting a lot of energy, a lot of power, right? So I need you not to waste that energy that you're exerting there. I need you to just maybe just chill up that, that hill. Mm-hmm. And then when you're going down the hill, yeah, you're going to be a lot faster, but is it really a, very efficient? Or again, are we just expelling a bunch of energy? So it's uh, maybe the best way to put it is in this, it's an energy management system. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we manage, how can we manage the energy that you have to get you through this distance in the most efficient way possible? That's that's uh, a, a 
a great way to put it and, and the type of way to put it to really make me make my gears start turning and make me go, maybe I should, I should look into this a little bit more. Maybe I should get a, a stride device and, and put it on my shoe and play with it and, and test it out. Um, because I mean, you know, let's not kid ourselves when it comes to any type of endurance training, which, which, you know, I think some people tend to, to overlook, but you know, anything over, what is it like 800 meters is technically an, an endurance event. Um, so five K's, 10 K's certainly, and anything beyond that, um, efficiency is key and energy management is key. And so, uh, you know, if we can be more efficient in our, in our form, uh, more efficient and not wasting energy needlessly, uh, that's certainly going to translate into finishing races stronger, uh, faster times, you know, running farther, all those types of things that tend to be what, what people focus on for their goals. So, um, definitely, uh, an interesting topic and something that uh, maybe I should stop being ignorant about and at least start learning, start investigating a little bit about because it, it, if it helps helps me, if it helps people I work with help from just talking about it on the show. Uh, and that's that's you know energy well sp- you know intellectual energy well spent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and you know, th- there's a new power meter now by Stride. Actually, when you mentioned it, they actually measure. Um, and this is kind of something that's still out there, but it's the um, the amount of wind that's coming towards mm. you, wow. you know, and, and what the resistance is like. So it has a little way of, of saying, you know, how much, <laughs> how much is that wind? I mean, I guess if you were some of those guys in Nike trying mm. to, you know, knock out a sub two hour marathon, you know, those things matter. And, right. and little things like this matter, like, I don't know, folks that wear hats, you know, if you're, mm. if you're dialing down the seconds, maybe you don't want to wear a hat. You know, maybe you want to, you know, just little, those little things or uh, something that's a little more cl- fit, a little more mm-hmm. fit to your skin or whatever the case is. At that point, I have athletes that are very high level athletes that are trying to compete for, you know, Olympic trials and things like that. Those guys are looking for any little second they could shave off. Right. And this, this is a great tool for that. Now, I'll have to say, uh, it is not a silver bullet. Mm-hmm. So don't expect it. And for all your listeners, everybody, and I always talk to people about this. I'm like, don't expect that you're going to throw in a power, throw in a power meter and say, well, okay, I, I did the test. It tells me that, uh, these are my zones and I'm going to go knock it out. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> um, you need to have a training plan that is made for power mm-hmm. to get the best results in my understanding, in my, in my belief. And you also need to have a foundation. So, um, it's like, you know, uh, very simply put, I can't throw in a Ferrari motor into a Volkswagen bug chassis without expecting something to blow apart. Unless <laughs> I, I, I weld that chassis really well. And I put some, you know, restraints in or whatever the case is, and then we're going to have mm-hmm. a, a, a chassis can handle that engine. Um, it's irresponsible, I think for, coaches and for anyone to say, let me just strap this thing on. Let me grab these zones. Oh, I have nine weeks to go train for that uh, marathon. Let me go blow this thing out of water. Hey, if you're lucky, it might work for you, but Boy, <laughs> more yeah. Likely it's <laughs> yeah. Well, and to go back to, to previous parts, you still need to be patient. You still need to have a base in place. You still need to do the, the, all the foundational work, um, or else whatever heart rate, like any type of training philosophy all relies on those, those foundational pieces. And, uh, and, and yeah, your, your, your car example is perfect. If you don't, if you don't have the the framework in place, all the fancy bells and whistles aren't, aren't going to cover up those, those deficiencies. And it's more likely to end in disaster than in, in success. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, heart rate has its place. Um, paces have their place. I mean, every, everything has their place. I think as a well-rounded coach, we need to utilize all these tools and see them and see how they all interact. I use Training Peaks for coaching. Mm-hmm. So um, in the Training Peaks platform, I'm able to see all these lines and all these charts and all this stuff. It looks, it's crazy. Um, and I'm able to kind of isolate and, and see how things are going and kind of quote unquote predict on um, how this person might react to this new stress that I'm about to add to them. Um, so yeah, so it's it's all tools and it's all great. I feel I'm all about using technology. So um, power is definitely one of those things that we have now to our disposal. And I think it's it's great to use it if if we if we can. Gotcha, gotcha. Thank you for uh, humoring me a little bit on on that little rabbit trail of of talking about power. I'm glad you you brought it up and I'm glad we went down it because now it's got my sure. my head spin spinning a little bit. But uh, as we're as we're wrapping up today, Frank, I, I got to uh, you know kind of close off as as we typically do with with something kind of philosophical. So you know, kind of something similar to the introductory question, very open ended. Uh, you can kind of take it and go with it, whichever whichever way makes the most sense for you. Long, short, somewhere in the middle. Uh, but this will be kind of where we're where we're wrapping it up today. Um, and I, I'd just be be curious. Um, you know, at this point in your, in your life, in your, your running career, your running journey, whatever you want to call it, um, why do you still do it? Why do you, why do you still get up and get out there and, and, uh, you know, have your, your pepper spray and your stick to make sure that the, the dogs stay at bay and, and, uh, you know, get through your run unscathed. Like why, why, what does running do to do to you, do for you to make you still want to get up and get out the door on a regular basis? Oh man, this is probably a good question for my wife because she sees when I'm not running and she's like, you need to go for a yeah, run, man. My, my wife exactly <laughs> the same way. I, I can totally empathize with that. So um, funny you asked that question because I am actually in a point now recently that I am um, studying more meditation and more like some Buddhism and things like that. And I find um, that it is my place to really um, – uh, take time for myself in the mornings. Like I don't run with any, um, uh, headphones. I don't run with anything, nothing. Um, and I do a lot of great thinking, not even knowing, I think it's one of those, maybe like you've probably heard of like walking meditation, but it's kind of like a running meditation. So for me, I feel like the breath and just where I am in my mind, it transports me to a whole different area that allows me to take time that I need for myself without gadgets or without anything and focus on what I love, which is just nature. Like, um, I, I always run in the mornings. Um, and there's something special about even any city you go to in the mornings, like places are shut down. It's a whole different world in the mornings than when things start getting crazy. Um, I also feel that it's, it's, I don't know, quote unquote, I don't know, not to get all woo woo, but it's like a spiritual place for me to go and, uh, and be, and I need that in my life in order for myself, in order for others around me, my family. Um, I need that time to kind of disconnect, start my day, kind of get my thoughts in order for the day, the week, whatever, uh, and be able to be a, a better person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, 
Totally agree. And as, as is often the case, I don't want to say too much and, and muddy that water. I like that to be a, a great place for people to, to wrap up. But I do want to remind everybody, PranaEndurancetraining.com is the website on Instagram at PranaEndurance. That's P-R-A-N-A, Endurance uh, on Instagram, PranaEndurancetraining.com. Dizruns.com slash 850 is the link that'll take you back to the show notes today. In case you're out and about, can't write something down or, or forget, uh, we've got it all linked up there. If you want to check out what Frank's got going on, follow along with him, uh, learn more about his coaching or anything uh, anything that we talked about today, disruns.com slash 850. So uh, Frank, thank you for uh, for taking the time. Uh, thanks for sharing a bit. And, and like I said, and, and it's honestly mean, getting my gears turning about power and, and maybe, I not maybe, definitely something I need to look more into uh, both as a coach and as a runner to help me get towards towards my goals. But uh, again, thanks for, for all that you offer today and, and uh, for, for reaching out and helping to make this happen. I, I certainly appreciate it and looking forward to uh, staying in touch and, and maybe circling up and doing this again at some point down the road. But uh, again, thanks, Frank, and uh, nothing but the best going forward, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the show. And uh, yeah, uh, I would love to anytime. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Frank and myself. Hope your head's spinning about as much as I am talking about all that power stuff. But anyway, uh, as per usual, be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode of the show. What was what was your takeaway? Maybe it's power related. I'm going to go away from that, although clearly the power the power talk was something that uh, was and still is rattling around in my head a little bit. So stay tuned probably for some more conversation about that at some point going forward as I continue to learn, uh, dive in to start learning a bit more about it. But uh, a different takeaway, an additional takeaway, because per usual, there's multiple multiple things that stand out to me from each episode. And uh, one that really stood out to me was, was Frank's talk about patience and the importance of recognizing that we need to, we need to be patient with our growth in the sport, that, that, Changes to our body, changes to our physiology, changes to our fitness, uh, improvements, growth, that stuff doesn't happen overnight, literally or metaphorically. It takes, it takes not very often weeks, very occasionally months, typically years to get real growth, real substantial, sustainable, maintainable, lasting growth and improvement in our fitness. And, you know, I, I know I've talked about this before. But it's, it's important to remember, and it's always a good reminder to me to hear other people stressing the same points, that, that it takes a while for us to improve as runners. It just, it just does. And sure, we can, we can see some, some pretty good uh, progress, especially from others, in what seems like a short period of time. But we typically don't recognize, and, and you know, in the social media culture, sometimes people aren't real quick to say that I've been working three years to have this, this leap in, in my finishing time or whatever the case might be. We, we, you know, there, there's kind of a little joke in some of the entrepreneur circles that I'm in where it's, you know, seven years, seven year process to be an overnight success. And it, it, I think that works out, uh, somewhat accurately with us as runners too. You know, that, that seemingly overnight growth was two, three, five, six, seven, eight, ten years of intelligent, consistent training, moving in the right direction, being smart, being safe. Another thing Frank talked about, not pushing too much and really running the risk of injury, but being smart, being patient, taking the long road. And and as much as that flies counter to so much of what we see, you know, instant success, six-minute abs, uh, make, a, make a million sitting at home working four hours a day. Like, like none of that stuff is really accurate. And certainly none of it applies to us as runners. The key to getting stronger, getting fitter, getting faster, building endurance, building injury resilience, 
It's all about patience. Recognizing it's going to take take a while and and doing the work to get there. You know, that's that's another big piece of that puzzle that I won't I won't get into too much right now, but but doing the work kind of important, kind of important. So, that's my takeaway. Remember to be patient. Remember that uh, you know, the the quick gains uh, they're not very likely and they're more likely to cause problems than they are lasting benefits. So be patient, do the work, stick to a good strategy, work with a good coach. If that's something that, that would help you, Frank could be a great coach. I like to think I'd be a great coach. Um, there's lots of good and great coaches out there. And the best ones are the ones that are going to recognize that, Hey, you know, some of this stuff might take a little while, you know, it's, it's going to be all about consistency and patience. And that is my takeaway from today's episode. So what about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes today, which you can find at Dizruns.com slash 850. Dizruns.com slash 850. We've got links. we got show notes. we got photos. Uh, and we also got that comment section at the bottom of the page. You can leave your thoughts and feedbacks there and we can begin a conversation in the comment section. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Once again, don't forget, uh, shopping on Amazon. You can you can help me out a little bit at literally no cost for you. Other than just just bookmark the link. Dizruns.com slash foam roller. Dizruns.com slash foam roller. I know it's a pretty pretty fancy link, right? Pretty pretty uh, impressive, sexy product. A big old foam roller. But uh, bookmark that, and then every time you go to, to shop on Amazon, just go through that link. Dizruns.com slash foam roller, and uh, you'll be sending a couple of shekels. Literally only a couple of shekels, but a couple of shekels add up. Uh, each time you do your shopping, disruns.com slash foam roller. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up, shall we? Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, tell a friend, tell somebody about it. Help spread the spread the word, spread the growth. Uh, it's always appreciated. Until next time, y'all, please be well. Take care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Take care, guys.